This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now... Enjoy the show. This is WWE NXT superstar Dominic Dijakovic, and you are feasting your ears on the Busted Wide Open podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 246. Still reeling at the fact that Cesaro finally got a victory. My name is Nick Howell. And roses are red, violets are blue. Dakota Kai says, Omewamu Shinderu. I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to the show. That's right, we have so much to discuss today. My God, AEW fight for the fallen NXT, of course, with a couple of championship matches. Ooh, spicy. Friday Night Smackdown went home to the horror show at Extreme Rules, which we have to do our pickums for. And we even got a big news segment today, Nick. What? There's some big news that happened last Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Absolutely big, big news happened last night. massive show today, guys. Stacked. Freaking stacked. So, Nick, let's not... Let's not... Let's just get going, yeah. man. Let's do some housekeeping. Tell everyone how they can interact with our show, and then let's dive right in. Yes, guys, head over to Discord. You're not going to want to miss the live chats happening. We've got dedicated channels for both Slammiversary tonight. I didn't forget this time. Hi, Kyle. Uh, as well as Extreme Rules tomorrow night, as well as many other channels that are over there. It is the, the place to be if you are fans and listeners of the show. Make sure you find your way in there. That is where all the fun and the magic happens. We also have a Facebook group where lots of fun memes and news stories happen. Make sure you get in there. Follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Uh, make sure you're subscribed right here on YouTube by slamming that big red subscribe button and set your notifications to all so you get notified every time we put up a, uh, we go live or we put up a new episode of BWO Daily. And last but certainly not least, thank you to all of our patrons that support this show every single month. If you'd like to get in on mm -hmm. some of those exclusives, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers. Uh, get access to show notes, listener questions, all kinds of good stuff, bonus episodes, Skype calls, you name it over at patreon.com slash BWO. I'm going really fast today because we have a <laughs> we got a lot of ground to cover today, yeah. guys. There's a lot of stuff that went down, starting with one thing that we haven't done in a long time, and that is nope. the big news. Impact Slammiversary is tonight, and something big dropped last night. Last night, while we were all asleep and tucked in our beds, 
midnight passed, and the gag order was gone. All of the talent that was released by WWE a few months ago, 90 days ago, is done. And the first thing that happened, Gallows and Anderson told everything. They explained everything that happened, uh, what, why they let, why they were fired from WWE, all of the shenanigans that went on backstage. As as far as they knew, uh, they shot on Triple H. They shot on Paul Heyman. They shot on themselves. Uh, it was it was a lot. It was a lot, and I can't say that I fully digested it all because I was so much going on. But of course, one of the some of the few things that they said that uh, we've got to go over real quick here. Uh, one of the things they said during their contract negotiations last year. Again, they were, they had a five year contract they signed last year, and they were released by WWE less than a year later. Uh, one of the things apparently that was said was Paul when they were because they they had an offer from AEW, a big offer from AEW, and Paul said, "Well, what if AEW goes away? Think about your children, essentially." Mm. And here they are a year later, and. WWE kicks them out the door and they're sitting here going, what about our children? What about our families, WWE? You said that at the negotiation table. Where is that now? Uh, They had issues with Paul Heyman where apparently he lied to them about giving them pushes and and angles that they wanted to do. Uh, They blamed him in part for them leaving even though it seems unlikely he would have the stroke to do that given that he was in a tenuous position at the time too. Um, Even before this went down, and this might have been the nail in the coffin, uh, was AJ getting pissed off about all of this and it kind of falling on Heyman's shoulders where you know, the only person that got really has firing ability is Vince McMahon. It's a whole kerfuffle, but they said, Paul Heyman said to their face, if I ever lie to you, go on social media and put me on blast saying I'm a liar. And they said, hey, boys in the locker room, Paul Heyman's a liar. So they put him on blast. They did, they, they did what he told them to do. Um, and finally, in that AEW negotiation, the, the, apparently the, the plan was they were going to go to AEW, show up on one of the first Dynamites, if not the first Dynamite, come out to sweet the Young Bucks and attack them on the way out, turning heel, having a big program with the Bucks off the bat, which would explain why the Bucks didn't have much to do for the first couple of months of Dynamite was that yeah. plan went out the window. So a lot coming out on that podcast, still more to be mined out of it. They talked a lot for a long time. But the big news out of this is they will be there tonight on Impact Slammiversary, likely uh, answering the Rascals' open challenge. Mm-hmm. So uh, keep an eye open for that. Uh, also on the show tonight, you've got Ace, Ace Austin versus Eddie Edwards versus Trey versus a mystery opponent for the Impact World Championship match. Mystery opponent is pretty strongly rumored to be EC3, who's been doing a whole bunch of videos on social media. Last night at midnight, he was attacked in a video, debuted a new finisher, looking mean as hell, John Bernthal, Punisher-looking son of a bitch that he is right now. Look for him to be in that match there. Lots of other people from WWE now lose that could show up as well, who either have impact tenure or are likely to be there. Um... Also, if you want to watch uh, Slammiversary, Jordan Grace versus Deanna Perazzo for the Knockouts Championship match. The North versus Sammy Callahan and Ken Shamrock for the Impact Tag Championship match. Willie Mack versus Chris Bay for the X Division Championship. Taya Valkyrie versus Kira Hogan versus Susie versus Rosemary versus Nevaeh versus Tasha Seals versus Kylie Ray versus Alicia versus Havoc versus Kimberly versus Madison Rain. Everybody, because they've got a pretty deep women's division over there in a number one uh, contendership match for the Knockouts Championship. And, of course, finally, Moose versus Tommy Dreener for the TNT Championship in an old-school match. 
So that's a thick card. That card is is that card is thicker than Jordan Grace. Damn boy. Uh, that's a that's a good card right there. So check yeah, out that, that, it, that evokes a, uh, a Gary Oldman from the professional. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh. So Impact anniversary. Gals Anderson are the big news. Love to go into them more, but we got way too much to talk about today, Nick, which means we need to head over and get right into all elite wrestling. So we're going to start at the end and work our way backwards, so to speak. Um, yes. Because I Main think this first. is the biggest thing to talk about. Yes, we had a, yet another banger tag team match. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, this was the big the big match for Fight for the Fallen was Brian Cage, the current FTW champion, uh, per Taz, <laughs> yes. uh, is <laughs> it, it was challenging John Moxley for the AEW World's Championship. So this had been built to the point where I was going... I don't know. He could actually pull this off, you know. And we had speculated on was Mox actually a good representation of the championship? Was we've had all these conversations the last few weeks as they've been building this? And I went into this match going, yeah, they could do this. They could do this. But what we they ended didn't. up seeing happen <laughs> was a lot of the commentary and Moxley in a promo before the match earlier in the show talking about targeting the bicep that. Yes. delayed his debut in, in AEW. The, the surgically and repaired bicep. The surgically repaired bicep. Surgically which, repaired bicep. Which hit home a little a little too to you, hard, yeah, by the way. Yeah. You're, you're, all of a sudden, your cage was over I'm, for you. I'm about five months out of my own. So what, what, we, what we ended up seeing, basically, was a knockdown drag-out fight. It was, it was really good. I enjoyed all of that. But when we got to the end, it started getting into Moxley wrangling cage into arm bars or attempts at arm bars. And when he finally got him in locked into one, after a lot of back and forth and a lot of jostling around, Taz unexplicably throws in the orange towel. <laughs> what? Yes. We have a match where we said they'd booked themselves into a corner where you really can't have Cage lose because he's another... Oh, what? Another debuting monster for AEW that you have coming in, literally his catchphrase in his entrance theme is who can stop the path of Cage? Taz's towel, apparently. Apparently Taz can stop the path. <laughs> we know in his first major match who can stop the path of Cage. Why throw him into this match so quickly? You've Now you've just cut his legs off and you've got to go all the way back and build him all the way back up. And as we found out after the match, because he started rampaging and raging around, he couldn't believe Taz threw in the towel. He was like, I wasn't done yet. Uh, Darby Allen comes out. Everything goes to black. And then come, the lights come back up, and Darby Allen hits him in the face of the skateboard. And Darby and Moxley fist bump and stand tall as Cage is escorted out by a, a horde of people who are trying to wrangle the, the machine. So we go. <laughs> All right. So some of the build for this was good. I like the fact that Taz said specifically – his shoulders, his neck are too big. John Moxley finisher isn't going to work on him. And sure enough, Moxley put the, the paradigm shift on him and he just popped back up. So that was a cool aspect of this. It did show Cage as a threat. And these two guys did beat the crap out of each other. But that finish shows, I mean, we said they had to have a fudge finish at some point here in order to protect Cage in some way. But even though this was a fudge finish, 
This and Cage did look like a rampaging animal afterwards. It looked like Moxie was going to win, and Moxie was being very cocky about it. He had him in the armbar, was like staring at Taz and going, <laughs> got your boy, basically. Like it looked like Moxley just outsmarted Cage. And it didn't make Cage look like, you know, an FTW champion or the baddest guy in the room. It made him look like a guy who was just, you know, a, a beast, but kind of dumb. There's so a it, certain part of me that understands the whole live to fight another day mantra of, you know, yes. throwing in the towel or recognizing when you've gotten got. But yes. I, I there's part of me that goes, this is this is almost worse than Brian Cage losing cleanly it, to Mox. It, it, you know why, Nick? And I think I know why is because it, it there is there are finishes where you can logically understand what happened, but it doesn't sit right with you. Yeah, and that can happen. Sit right. That can happen in real life, where something goes down and it just you just never get over it, right? Uh, you don't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch on the one yard line, right? It just right. doesn't. That's a that's a that's a shitty way to go out. Yeah, I know. Let's throw he, a, let's throw a pass and get it intercepted. <laughs> but my point is, they threw a pass here and it got intercepted, and we're all sitting here going, "Oh, you didn't have to." I mean, it's tried still, to it, get too fancy, is what happened. Is it? It's still a legitimate way out of this match, and it's one that, in storyline, you'll be able to go back and I, I think they'll be able to recover from this with some good storytelling. But in the moment, it just it doesn't feel good, and it wasn't something that we felt good going into it. Like into it, we had trepidation. Into it, again, we're going into it saying Moxley is not an engaging champion right now. We need to have an engaging feud for him. This wasn't it. This yeah. was not it. And this uh, was and, not and frankly, I, I came out of this more interested in oh, Darby's back. Not yeah, but the Cage is, is out over there thrashing around on the ramp doing his thing, and I'm just I'm looking at Darby and Mox in the ring, and I'm going oh no, that's doubly even worse now because now I just don't give a shit about Cage. Uh, now I'm interested in what Moxley and, and Darby are gonna oh they fist bumped okay what what's going on here? I've already moved on past Cage and I right. think that's the important thing to understand is this guy that you brought in that could be the unstoppable Godzilla of your entire company for years I've already forgotten about him in two minutes and I, that just trying to get too fancy it's over engineered it's overbooked and uh, that's what i felt about it at well the end and, of it. and kyle pointed out something good too that, that that on his podcast uh cornette did mention and you know we 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 take yeah. Cornette with a grain of salt but like when it comes to things like to, to certain things like this I, this is one i totally agree with him on where he said that cage did not have enough big wins he did not have enough big wins for this towel throw to protect him. Thank you, Kyle, for, for reminding me of that. Because that's totally true. Yeah, it's it exactly like, did he have a lot of wins? Yes. Did he beat anybody of note? No. So when you throw in the towel, his first big match, it just cuts his legs off. He had to have gone and beaten somebody else first. And this is the problem with so many of their monsters. They don't beat anybody significant first. They just go in there and lose to one of the babies. Whether it's Wardlow, whether it's Lance Archer, whether it's Brian Cage, even on a one-off, Jeff Cobb, you bring in people, build them, and, and say that they're monsters, and then they lose their first match, and we sitting at home just go, so they're not really a monster, and I shouldn't be scared of them. Right. And that's what happened here. Um, and I don't think a few to Darby's going to help them either because, I mean, Darby needs a win too. You know, what's Cage going to do? Lose to Darby? He's no. toast if you do that. Absolute <laughs> toast. Uh, that being said, 
On the other side of the spectrum, the TNT Championship was defended as well. Cody had a match, the, the biggest match of his career, Sonny Kiss's career, that is. Uh, Sonny Kiss versus Cody. This was actually su- very surprisingly, uh, I'm not going to say controversial because that would indicate that there was arguments on both sides, but it lit up social media. Because, I, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of people who see Sonny Kiss and don't know what to make of him, speaking of Cornette. Um, but here he was in a, in a huge uh, platform getting a match against Cody for this championship. And it was a banger of a match. And Sonny Kiss came out looking like a damn star at the beginning and a star at the end. Yep. Uh, came out with the Jacksonville Jaguars cheerleaders, whole dance routine, incredible entrance. And then... Wrestled a damn good match with Cody. Uh, and they both used some great psychology. They both laid their shit in, as the phrase goes. That might be one of the butteriest um, Hurricane Ranas I've seen in a really long time mm-hmm. that Sonny Kiss put on Cody. And the 450 splash. There was so much rotation and like rotational force that it looked like Sonny Kiss's head, like, pop, just bounced off the map, Matt, when he so- uh, landed. And this is the thing is one of the criticisms of Sonny Kiss when he came in and, and, and before was that uh, much like some of the women in the women's division, they weren't laying their shit in. Big Swole was an example where it looked like their offense wasn't connecting. Yeah. And one of the major things that, I've, that I understand that Dustin Rhodes has been working with everybody on is making sure it looks like your offense is actually offense. Sonny Kiss has obviously taken that to heart because – this looked like all her shit just boom, boom, boom. It laid in, and it was fantastic. And the, and the great story of the match was that Cody wasn't taking Sonny seriously either, and he paid the damn price throughout this match. It even had a crossroads pulled on him at one point. Yeah. But ultimately, oh, he was doing push-ups and everything like he mm-hmm. normally kind of does when he's not taking something seriously or just trying to show off. And I, I Arn think Anderson that's... outside the ring. Come on, yeah. Cody, get your head out of your ass. Yeah, exactly. Great. Yeah. <laughs> that was good stuff. Um, so, no, this and, and the thing is, this absolutely blew all the numbers away on the night in the demos. It was the most watched in the demo on the night. I love how we're going to start using the demo all the time because Jericho made it a thing. But we were doing it before, Nick. Oh, we'll uh, get there. I, all of the numbers, the, the highest numbers of the evening, the highest numbers, like blew everyone out of the water in the, in the important demo. Like, everyone watched this segment. So... Do you think it had a lot to do oh, so. with the uh, social media interactions that were going on leading up yes. to Fight for the Fallen? Yeah, Absolutely. I think everybody kind of showed it. Plus, it, it it started the show. It pulled the curtains. So. You had a couple of hateful people saying things to to uh, Sonny online, and then that blew up. A whole bunch of support came out. People became more aware of it. So that's the awareness factor is, I think, absolutely something that, that helped the numbers here. Yeah. Um, it was very watched. It was very talked about on social media, and it was a damn good match. So... On every metric, it it ticked the box of what you want. You just made a new star. So, well done. Congratulations. Uh, Unsurprisingly, Cody does retain. But we we saw this a few times in the show. Tully Blanchard sitting in the crowd with like a with a gray mask over his face, looking very sinister, taking notes and everybody. Uh, Sean Spears has been on a roll. Just uh, just wondering. Tully's out there watching Arn's boy be cocky. They kept referring to it as well. Now is the time to strike. Well, yeah. commentary and all of this stuff like, oh, Tully's recruiting, Tully's scouting, and four horsemen hints and references. And uh, in case you weren't paying attention, in case you weren't paying attention, 
they're telling you, hey, pay attention to this. We're not just making crowd shots for no reason. This is story stuff here. That's why I bring it up. If the commentary doesn't make an express jab at it, it's it's less likely to be something. But if the commentary is sitting there going, Tully Blanchard is in the audience. Whatever could Tully Blanchard be looking at? Yeah. Is Tully Blanchard here for a reason? Why is Sting in the rafters? <laughs> Moose is in the impact zone. We're out of time. <laughs> like it, if commentary is talking about it, it makes sense to, to, to talk about it here on the show. So. I had to bring that up. Makes me think that Sean Spears might be in Cody's future at some point. We finally get that paid off. In one respect uh, or the other. In one respect or the other. So, and I, and I, I last quick note, Taz was on commentary for this match uh, to build up the main event later in the show. And, man, he's, he is the guy that makes this feel most like sports commentary. Yeah. Because he's out there, like, talking about torque and rotation and, you know, well, yeah. If you if you see the way you know the way that it came down in the back there, you can tell that you know she's really she's gonna get some season up back there, and then you know she's not gonna move as well. And if you came with that arm as well, maybe you can't lock in your finisher, and that's really a, a, stri- a smart strategy from Cody. <laughs> it's like you're watching NFL Sunday, you know, a little um, bit. Yeah, you know, yeah. take the ball down the field. The, the idea of the game is you're gonna get the ball in the end zone. Boom. Oh, now we're doing John Madden now. Okay. He's he's like he's like a little <laughs> necklace, like a little necklace John Madden. Yeah, but Nick, let's get to the match I know you want to talk about. FTR oh, yeah. versus the Lucha Brothers. Oh. <laughs> Just hearing you say that, I have chills come over me because this is went, one of those. Boom, this is one of those like, kind of dream matches: Revival versus the Lucha Brothers. Like, dear God, if this isn't on everybody's like wrestling video game like super match card. Uh, this is one of those that I wanted to beat, but it had a weird ending as well. Um, apparently, the only way to beat the Lucha Brothers is to rip off Ray Phoenix's mask. And it just it's almost like you're taking his blinders off and he's blinded by the sun and all of a sudden you can... You know, you can. You, you haven't watched as much... Uh, you haven't watched as much Lucha, uh, Lucha Libre as I have. That's literally how you act. The mask goes off and it's just, oh! Like, it's, it's like... You've just been burned in the face. Like everything just goes into protect the face mode. Yeah. And does not matter. Anything else could happen. And you're just tra- there trying to keep your identity protected. Like it's the most important thing in the world. So, yeah, FTR cheat to win, except that they, as the commentary said, it's not cheating because we don't actually have a rule here about masks. Thank you, Excalibur, in, in, for pointing that and, out for us. <laughs> well, it was it was very important because yeah. in CMLL it's a disqualification, right? And now the partners they this they are partnered with CMLL, so I'm wondering if, if this is something down the road that they actually address. And I love that they're actually the, uh, details, details, details. They're addressing stuff in storyline that we're sitting here contemplating, like, well, you know, the rules would state that, 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 that and it's not just glossed over and brushed off like WWE, where they just kind of go, yeah, yeah, you guys figure it out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, this is something that they actually might address, that FTR used that as like a loophole. They couldn't beat the Lucha Brothers. They couldn't ground them. You know, they're trying to just beat them down, all, you know, all fists, no flips kind of mentality again. Couldn't quite get them down until they cheated and ripped off the mask. Does that become a storyline point later? If so, yeah, I, ho- awesome. I hope it gets. I hope the mask getting ripped off gets paid off down the road, like you said. Yeah. Whether it's in CMLL or something like that, that that would be fantastic if we get around. Hey, you remember that time I you ripped my mask off? This time I'm coming back. All that stuff. Sure. Right? I mean, the only the only thing that makes me think about it is the Lucha Brothers are heels, so oh, they kind of deserved it. You might argue, except that 
I, dude, I don't know how long they can f- keep Phoenix heel. That guy is just a bright, glowing baby face. Like, he got his mask ripped off, and I immediately was like yelling at FTR. Yeah. Uh, and then you had uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks come out afterwards with a case of beer. You know, here's a, here's a peace offering. They come out to, to, uh, to FTR and say, here's some beer. And they, oh, let's all crack a beers. And Kenny Omega's even like, all right, just this once, just this once. And FTR pours their beers over Kenny's head, and he tries to jump him. Um, Bucks have to calm him down mm-hmm. and then FTR goes backstage and starts drinking with Hangman Page hmm now this paid off also in another match where you had Jurassic Express versus the Elite versus Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and this was not what I expected I, it, it gave me what I expected where you had the, the crazy moves uh, you had a, a freaking Canadian destroyer, step up Canadian destroyer over the top rope, off of the shoulders of Luchasaurus. It was, I don't even know how to describe it properly. It was uh, not. I do. Matt Jackson has officially joined Kota Ibushi's <laughs> I Hate My Neck Club. No Good one Lord. is in that club. What? Kota, okay, he may be in the club, but Kota is the president, the emperor, <laughs> and the dictator for life of that club. Let's be clear. Uh, t- two straight Canadian destroyers like that, though? I mean, just good Lord. I-, I can't even... It's hard to describe the spot. Matt was up on the top rope. Marco Stunt jumps off, it jumps off of Luchasaurus from outside the ring onto Jackson's over Jackson, and Canadian destroyers him yeah, off someone the top on their rope. Yeah, it's just... Good they're Lord. Trying to I, find- I tried to go frame by frame and watch it, <laughs> and Matt came down brilliantly, his shoulders on Marco's thighs, just and it was perfect. But one wrong move, one wrong move on. They're that trying move. to like with the uh, with the um, the destroyer to the outside last week. Like they're trying to find all the ways they can make the destroyer even more insane. And <sighs> I'm not gonna lie, like I'm here for it. All right, if you're gonna be, a spot I am. Monkey, but I went, oh, <laughs> it was fun. I went. The story oh, of the match okay? though was he Kenny is Omega, okay. Yes, <laughs> the, right. They, they didn't die. Yeah. Uh, but the story of the match here was Kenny Omega getting kind of vicious with Marco Stunt, not taking him seriously at first. Marco finally pisses him off, so he takes off his shirt and gets serious. And at the end of the match, um, you know, gives him a couple V triggers and a one wing angel, puts him down. Finally, has trouble with Marco Stunt. I guess weird. But then after the match, starts beating him up on the ground, grounding, pounding him after the match. And everyone kind of pulling Kenny back. You're like, whoa, dude, what the hell? Even Marco being like, what the, what? Come on, dude. What's up? So this was interesting. Kenny Omega showing some heelish tendencies. Meanwhile, Hangman Page hanging backstage with FTR. What if Kenny Omega turns heel on Hangman Page? We have a heel Kenny Omega running wild in AEW. And he's the guy to take the title off of Moxley. I told you months ago, and you oh. called me crazy for it, oh. that he was going to be bringing the cleaner gimmick back from, from New Japan. He was going to be going back to that sort of just wild and crazy Yeah, I poo-pooed the cleaner thing, but like, this, like literally the cleaner. It's kind of like you saying that you know you were right about uh, Balor joining up with, with AJ Styles because you said Joker Balor was going to come out or something. <laughs> Whatever the heck that that crazy. Sure. I, I'm wearing the shirt. I'm wearing the shirt today. Yeah, you, I, sur- you, I survived Nick booking. Not you have did. you have PTSD. It's understandable. I do. I understand. I do. I still have like, like an eye twitch up here. 
the, so no, the irony night, of this I wake whole up, I wake thing. Up screaming, covered in sweat, like like Ripley and aliens. <laughs> the <laughs> irony of this whole thing to me is that if you go back a few months, when Hangman started started showing tendencies of I'm going to turn on you, I'm giving up on you. And it was the, oh, he's drinking too much. We had the interview with JR. What's going on with you? There were therapy sessions, all of this stuff. We were all looking at Hangman as kind of going rogue, out on his own, sort of going into business for himself kind of thing. When in reality, it looks like it's going to turn out that it, it might actually be Kenny. Because somehow, in some magical way, in a very Stone Cold-esque kind of way, Hangman has... Turned out to be the face in this whole situation. You've got Kenny doing Healy shit. Well, You've got the Young Bucks doing Healy shit. He always shit. has. Yeah, he always <laughs> has been the face. Like the Young Bucks were dicks to him. I know. Like, like Kenny was the one guy who just like he just didn't care. He's like, yeah, he's fine. Whatever. We're tag champs. Like we get along. But he was never like an outright dick to Hangman like the Young Bucks were. And Hangman's just sitting there going, "Yeah, I'm drinking. Yeah, I'm drunk a lot. But you know what? I'm winning championships. Leave me alone, guys. Like I'm just doing my thing." I'm doing cowboy shit. Leave me alone. And finally, uh, like, yeah, what if, what if Kenny just becomes a dick to him as well? Yep. I don't know. I could be down for that. That would be an interesting way out of it. Um, and I, it's hard to say without the crowd. But um, With that tag team division, I, I feel like they need to get – I've been saying this for so long now. I feel like I'm a parrot. I feel like they need to get those championships off of, of yes. Page, and, Page and Omega. At this point, I totally agree with you. They yep. really, really do. We've seen them go through the entire division in a matter of, of six to eight weeks. And at this point, I, FTR, pretty much the only group that I, I, I could see actually legitimately taking it off of them. Yeah. So um, speaking of rematches, speaking of matches and rematches, Jericho says no to a rematch with Orange Cassidy. Jericho and what's left of the inner circle come the out to the God. ring. Comes out to the ring and crows about how he's the guy who's getting the best ratings in the demo on Wednesday nights, it's a ratings war, and he is now the demo god. Already has a shirt ready. I know because Esme bought one. Uh, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, Jericho. Sunny Kiss just beat you. Yeah, but he still did really well as well. And his yeah. and Orange Cassidy, and he did win the demo last week. So, all right, all right. But it, 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 he's out here creating the narrative. Control the narrative, right? EC3, Jericho's controlling the narrative as well. So, more power to him on that. Um, Anyone who's saying, you know, AEW should, should, should cut back on the poking the bear aspect. Jericho's making money doing it, guys. He's, he's out here. It's a business. Yeah. So he's, he's selling shirts on it. Um, and, and then, of course, Orange, he's making fun of Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy comes out in the crowd, the crowd, the stands, uh, puts up his, his thumb the way he does, and then turned it upside down like a Roman emperor. And as Jericho's mocking him, all of a sudden... Out of the rafters, a viscous liquid falls from the sky all over Jericho and in the inner circle. Orange juice, ladies and they gentlemen. They got juiced. They got juiced. Jericho was soaked. Soaked. Uh, you had Ortiz, Ortiz was the star here. <laughs> just selling it like he got shot. And just take just self-bumping and just... Flopping around like flopping a Flopping around in it. Yeah, I think at one time he was trying to swim in it to get away like... Remember the, and I'm wondering if that's a payoff from, what was he it? The, swim. The, he can't the swim. Th the Thunderdome match, whatever the stadium stampede match. Yeah, he can't uh, swim, and, and he he couldn't swim in the pool, so he couldn't get in there. So I'm wondering if that's still he was trying to swim, claw at it, and swim in it a little right. bit. And just awesome. Just can please keep I doing this kind of, of stuff. 
It's genius. Anytime, he, anytime he's around water, he just like loses it. Or any kind oh, of liquid. That's yeah. So funny. <laughs> oh, water water just completely depowers him. Someone like pours pours water in his head in a match. He's like, oh, look, I'm drowning. Oh, that'd be amazing. It's like Keep a dog going. when you hold them over water, but you don't actually put them in water. They start doggy paddling. They yeah. start flopping their, their flippers. But that wasn't it for this segment because then someone from the outside throws – Jericho's like, give me a towel. And someone out from the outside throws him a towel, and he catches it and unfurls it so perfectly. It was like a magic trick because he grabs a towel – Towel falls, and it's Orange Cassidy's face on this giant, this gigantic Orange Cassidy towel. And Jericho's wiping his face. The other guys in the inner circle are like, dude, 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 no, 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 to put the towel down. Oh, so this good. was, uh, it was, it was, it was festival of friendship perfect with the timing, with the, just the reveals of everything. It was amazing. And then he had to go do commentary for the next match afterwards. And just him yelling about being covered in orange juice. My $7,000 jacket. Show. Yeah. Oh. And and fun fact, if you missed it, go back and watch the very end of, of Fight for the Fallen or Dynamite, whatever. Um, and the very, the very last, last things know, that are yeah. said <laughs> are is JR telling Jericho, you stink. <laughs> Jericho, it's, instead of saying, you know, stink is the rafters, we're out of time. There go Jericho goes, I'm covered in orange juice. And JR just goes, you stink. And then boom, it's out. Black, like we're out. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>, brilliant. <laughs> That is all time ending a show right there. Oh my God, that was good. Just abs- complete entertainment. Oh, a couple more things on, on uh, AEW though. Hikaru Shida says that anyone can challenge her, not just Nyla Rose, who's looking very threatening, beating people up. She says, anybody, come on, open challenge for the woman's belt. They don't have that many women. I don't know. I mean, maybe they're just, that's just a way for them to get random women on TV facing her. Uh, maybe Anna Jay comes back at some point as a member of the Dark Order. I know Nick will be happy with that, even though he forgot her birthday this week. Yeah. Like a bastard. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> I bet we will. Um, Statlander's out. Britt Baker's out. Swole seems to be in a, a feud with Baker still. So not a lot of women to challenge her, but Nyla Rose is still around, and Nyla did come out this week and announce who her manager was. And to absolutely nobody's surprise, it was Vicky Guerrero. So Nyla now has a manager, as well as like everybody else. Um, does this make her more powerful? And is Nyla likely to be the one to take the belt back off of Sheeta? I thoroughly enjoyed this uh, more than I expected I would. I was usually kind of sort of I was that guy that was eh. I got exactly the ra- reaction out of Vicky Guerrero that they intended uh, back in the day when she was doing the general manager stick. Uh, but when she came out roaring, excuse me, all over again, I was like, yep, we all knew it. But there were moments in the ring and the promo that she cut, mwah, perfect. I think it's great for Nyla Rose. It's exactly the kind of thing that we want out of now. Now Nyla just looks even more powerful somehow, yep. some way. But seeing Vicky just smiling and knowing that she, knowing that her tricks are going to be back, like, I really enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. You know, we all kind of knew that this was going to, we didn't know, but we knew. But the high, um, behind the scenes, I love the timeline too, where Vicky was doing stuff for WWE. They were bringing her in to, you know, do videos about Eddie and just and keeping in contact with her. She goes on AEW one time. She's not even. She's in the crowd. She doesn't even do anything. She's in the crowd. She's shown on AEW TV one time. They stop returning her calls. Yep. And she's like, "What the heck, guys? I was I wasn't even doing anything. I was just there. Don't return her calls." She goes, "All right, I'll just sign with AEW. Cool. Bye." Well, you and now mentioned she's manager. You mentioned here Hikaru Shida uh, doing the backstage things with uh, Marvez, 
And there have been some announcements this week that, uh, well, basically Hikaru said, before I get into this, line drive, I want to see, yes. he said $5 in Super Chat, I want to see Orange replace Jericho's jacket like Moxley did in WWE. Yeah, that'd be funny. <sighs> Remember the $10,000 yeah. lighted jacket? No, that was, yeah, that was but Moxley just gives him like a shitty old windbreaker. Or, right. or uh, Jer- I'm saying Orange gives him like a shitty old windbreaker. Like, no, uh, Orange give him like a denim jacket. Like an I, orange found this jacket. The, I found this on the street. Yep. <laughs> anyway, Hikaru Shida said, thank you very much, Kyle. Hikaru Shida says... Uh, I always imagine it Orange Cassidy, like, I've heard, I've heard him, I'm sorry, just a quick insert. I've, I've heard Orange Cassidy speak, and he kind of talks like a normal guy. He just basically, yeah, just talk like this. I always imagine Stephen Wright's voice coming out of his head. When every time, like, I, you know what I mean? Stephen, Stephen Wright, Wright, the comedian? Stephen, W-R-I-G, no? Nobody remembers Stephen Wright? Eh, come on. Not, ring, not ringing a bell. Oh, my God. No. You know, okay, well, <sighs> go look up Stephen Wright. He's amazing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Hikaru Shida's backstage with Marvez, and she's saying it doesn't have to be Nyla Rose. It can certainly be Nyla Rose, but any woman can challenge for this. Meanwhile, we're also getting promos and announcements across social media and things like that. Fr- fans of Lucha Underground will remember Eva Lise. We're getting Diamante over. There's rumors of Thunder Rosa coming over, potentially, with NWA falling apart. Tessa Blanchard. <sighs> Tessa Blanchard. I wasn't going to say that until after tonight, Ian, but... Oh, sorry. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, they're, I think they're, they're, they're recruiting. They're making some headway. Uh, the last six months in the women's division, they've really turned it around, and I think they're really starting to ramp back up. So, I was can you earlier imagine, this year, I was pretty down on the women's division. But can you I'm, imagine it's in a if good they spot. get Tessa Blanchard, Tessa Blanchard, and Evelise in the same company? How long before a riot breaks out? I mean, in terms of like backstage, two women who are n- notorious for not getting along with other people, not playing with others well. Uh, how do they wrangle them? So, yeah, as soon as I see Ivelisse there, I just kind of sit there and, and wonder how long before she Kylie Ray's on out the door. So, yeah, we we will see. Um, but uh, yeah, fin- finally in the women's division, Brandy and Allie, the Nightmare Nightmare Sisters, uh, defeated Kenzie Page and MJ Jenkins. MJ Jenkins finally showing up on TV. Remember nice. her from the May Young Classic. Yep. Uh, so, and this is, just seems to be a story for Brandy to have something on TV to do, how they, they hate each other, but they have to work together. Okay, cool. Well, the important part here is that there's a lot around this going on over on Dark. And unfortunately, if yes. people aren't watching Dark, you're, you might be missing on some, a little bit on BTE as well from time to time. But the, Mostly dark. If, if you're not watching all of those and you're just watching Dynamite, I, I wish they would do... What, what WWE does so well is like little recap vignettes, videos and packages and things like that. I wish you would show... Give me like a... Th- two-minute kind of thing on the Nightmare family and reminding me of what's transpired. That You know, Brandy is trying to support QT because QT is friends with Dustin and the Nightmare family and all of them. And so, okay, we'll go. So they're having these matches over on Dark and stuff, and they're telling the story over on Dark, but they're not properly transitioning it up to the main show on Dynamite. But, yeah, lots happening there. Kenzie Page, MJ Jenkins, uh, great to see them in the ring again. But, yeah, the story here is they hugged at the end. Is Brandy was mostly kind of turning her nose up. She's like, all right, all right. hugging all over QT and just rolling her eyes at it, at the whole thing, wearing his jacket, and they were making fun of that. But now they're hugging. Midlife crisis. Midlife crisis, Marshall. Yes. Now they're hugging uh, after winning a match. So who knows where this goes. I I still think this is uh, Bunny infiltrating the Nightmare family, and it's going to turn on him eventually. I hope so. That'd be nice, something yep. like that, something a nice, interesting twist at some point. It's it's sure better than the Nightmare Collective. 
I'll give it that. So at least at least this has me curious where they're going. So AEW, very solid show this week. A couple of big stumbles, which we saw coming. But overall, very solid show. But that wasn't the only solid show this week, Nick. We also have to give some props to NXT. Basket is glory! <laughs> Keith Lee he comes is- out. Limitless. Yes. Uh, comes out and has his sort of coronation mm. uh, for being the champ champ uh, first ever in NXT. Would you call, would you call it a would you call it a celebration? Wow. Cel- cel- no. 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 Uh, well, well, whatever you want to call it, it was Keith Lee coming out with both his belts, calling out Alicia Taylor and saying, Alicia, would you mind just saying that one more time? Because we should all hear Alicia say things more because Alicia Taylor is the best ring announcer in WWE market day and date. I'm saying Alicia Taylor, the best ring announcer in WWE. Greg Her Hamilton. shit sounds. Greg Hamilton is good and he's clean as a whistle. Alicia Taylor sounds like, like epic, epic. There, I have never heard the word war games or words war games sound better than when she said war games. Go back and listen to it. It's awesome. She announced Keith Lee coming out to the ring and new NXT and North American champion. First ever double champ in NXT history. Big moment. Keith Lee has a, a nice speech prepared uh, where he talks about how you know, it's, it's, it's historical, but he couldn't do it alone. Shouted out his coach, shouted out everyone who believed in him, shouted out the fans. But he also said there was somebody else in the back who deserved some love as well, and he wouldn't be there without him. And he called out Dominic Dijakovic. Dijak! Dijak. He called Dijak out, came out to the ring, and Dijak, what, what is it, man? And Keith Lee said, well, I wouldn't be here if our series of badass matches didn't get me over. And we didn't do if we didn't do that, I wouldn't have had the opportunities that I had. So mm, I want to give. Sure. I want to give back. I I don't think that's there, there's any argument with I, that. I they think don't, he's there because of War Games, because of Survivor Series, because of the Royal Rumble. But he's in all those places because of NXT Portland. He's in there. He's in all those places because of the matches that he and Dijak. He, he was in that match because the matches with him and Dijak when he came back. Keith Lee was stopped dead. If you remember, yeah, he had, he was doing stuff. Uh, he was getting squashed by Lars Sullivan, and then he got injured and was out for a while. And when he came back, they're like, okay, screw slow building you. We're, instead, of, instead of just having you come out like a normal big guy, come out and do that match you did at PWG Battle of Los Angeles 2017 with, with Donovan, Dominic Dijak, the Kovic. Dijak! Dij- it's Dijak. Have, that, have the match As with As a matter Dijak. of fact, I think I'm going to embellish our bumper that we have that we played today for the show, so there's just me yelling in the back, Dijak! Over the top. Good, of it. do it. Yeah. So they basically said, do that match because that match made you guys famous. Do it again, and they did. Do it again, and they did, and it got better and better and better. And people got more and more and more excited about him. And now here he is, like a, like a snowball. Here he is now, fully formed at the bottom of the hill with both titles in his hands. And he said, you know what? I got to give back to the dude who helped me get here. Hey, Dijak, let's do it one more time, but this time for all the belts. And Dijak kind of awkwardly goes, both both belts. Uh. Uh, I, I, and Keith goes, just say yes. And Dijak says, yes. So we have a match that night for the belts between Dijak and Keith Lee. They put on another banger, Nick. Yep. Uh, it did. It wasn't, it didn't reach the heights of their other ones, but I don't think it should have just the, well, the point of the match. The point of the match was that Keith Lee is on another level now than Dijak. 
I think that was the point. Absolutely, and it it serves as a good reminder because sometimes the camera does not do this justice. I want to remind everybody that Dijak is six foot eight, two hundred and seventy five pounds, and Keith Lee is six four, at three hundred. Even something. I think those two big boys went out there and put on a match that looked like Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano. They were doing. That blockbuster off the top turnbuckle that Dijak gave to... Are you shitting me? But that's the stuff that... That's exactly what I'm talking about, Nick. The, these two guys working together is what made Keith Lee where he is now. And, and Dijak, for whatever reason, just didn't quite get there with him. Yeah. Um, but these two guys together are magic. And Keith even Lee, in a match like hand, this... One hand, like, you're nogging him and sl- all the way over his head. Yeah. That's a 300-pound man <laughs> with one hand... He's and tossing slam- like a teddy bear. That's yeah, no, that's this. That's why they reminded us. That's what this match was for. Remember, this is how they got to the dance, and it was also a way to kind of for Keith Lee to put Dijak in his shadow and say, "All right, I'm officially beyond you now." Like, yes, we you you gave me competition again, but I am beyond you now. This um, I was watching it, and maybe some some cats in the in the in the chat will understand what I'm talking about. Maybe some people, listeners, will understand. I'm a DBZ guy. I'm a Dragon Ball Z guy. This reminded me of, at a certain point... Sorry, Nick. I'm going to leave you behind on this one. Yeah, I'll be over, this, here. I'll be over this, here for a minute, guys. This match reminded me of like Goku waking up after training in space and being so much more powerful than Piccolo. And Piccolo being like, damn, I got to up my game. I got to go fuse with nails or something uh, to get my power level up because Goku, you, we used to be even. Or like after Goku came back from being dead, right? And Piccolo's just like, how are you this powerful? Uh, that's what this felt like. Keith Lee had raised his power level. Dijak stayed the same level. Dijak got to go train in the hyperbolic time chamber at this point and get his ish up because he's got to catch up with Keith Lee. And I liked that. I liked that this was seemed like a sparring session between old frenemies, as Keith put it. And ultimately, the what we got was Keith is now on another level. He's way more powerful. And he better be. Because Scarlet came out to the ring after the match and dumped the remains of the hourglass that Keith Lee smashed a couple of weeks ago into the ring, indicating tell, that trying to tell y'all. And then after the match, Donovan Dijakovic Dijak was backstage being interviewed, saying, "Yeah, Keith's really good, man. I wish him the best." And then he got attacked by Karrion Cross and beat up. So, and we now know next week, Dijak versus Karrion Cross. That that match is going to be awesome. Oh, this is uh, just going to just inflame this feud that we're eventually going to get by uh, Dijak going down uh, to uh, to Cross. And yeah, if I if I can also have a quick aside for a second, uh, I enjoyed that Dragon Ball Z athon. I, I could. I, I have no idea you what you were to. talking about. I could go deeper if you wanted to. Much like yeah. AEW has a. A main show and a dark show that's just on the internet. Yes. We, we too, have a show called BWO Daily that's only on the, U- the tubes of you. Yes. And so not everybody watches it. Not everybody will understand. But yesterday, I want to hearken back to a conversation we had yesterday where we highlighted uh, an interview with Apollo Crews that said they were going to bring back the nation. Oh, I knew you were going to. Oh, my God. Potentially. Right, And one of the things that I brought up during that conversation was it doesn't feel big enough. There's nobody there that has the presence enough to lead that. 
short of MVP in the advocate sort of role. And it didn't hit me until I think it was about midnight last night when I was watching some stuff and some catch-up and I had that (gasps) Keith Lee. Keith Lee. If Keith Lee comes up to the main roster and joins the and comes to the Rumble, as I've like everything I've sort of prophesized the last few months is happening. Nick, so if it continues and Nick, we drop it Nick, to cross and Lee Nick, goes to the Rumble, Lee could be the leader of the nation, new nation of face, Nick, babyface nation of domination. We just spent five minutes on Nick booking. Take off your tinfoil hat. Let's get back nope. to the show. My tinfoil hat is coming true <laughs> right before our eyes on NXT. So, no. Uh, <laughs> moving on, moving on. I have more to say, but I'm gonna leave it go. I'm gonna let it go. Yeah. I gotta. We gotta. We gotta get, keep going here. Just let it simmer. Ah, it's simmer. It's spilled on the floor. The dog's licking it up. Io Shirai versus Tegan Knox ends with Io Shirai retaining. We kind of saw this happening. This was actually a. Yeah. a they gave them thirty damn minutes. They gave these ladies thirty minutes to work with, and they told a great story. Um, I love that this was Io Shirai outclasses Tegan Knox. She gets cocky, busts her legs on the uh, trying to do a move to the stairs on the outside. She breaks both her knees, and so Tegan Knox is able to take over. But Io Shirai guts it out, ends up getting the win. Great story, great performance, great performance from both women. Let, let, let me underline that. Great performance. This was an awesome match, but it was straightforward. Io Shirai is better than Tegan Knox was the story, but as she leaves. To close the show, Io Shirai posing on the ramp and a huge kick to the face from Dakota Kai out of nowhere. We've got our next challenger. So, mm, that was that was delicious stuff. What did you think about this match? The um, one thing that also, it also, made... Oh, sorry, oh. sorry, Nick. I'm sorry. We actually missed one. Uh, Kyle, 499 oh. in the Super Chat. Lee and Dijak in a match makes me act like a child asking their parents again right after they do a trick. Seriously, a six foot eight man doing a blockbuster? Exactly. Yeah, agree with the with the with the being a kid thing. Esme's in the chat. Oh, here. Oh, sh- oh. Guess her, her who ears. just got off work early? <laughs> uh, thank you for the twenty dollars, Esme. We, your ears must have been burning. We were just talking about you. Yep. Welcome, 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 welcome. Uh, the, uh, you asked me what I think about it. I I think that my immediate thought after this match. Uh, and this is one of the, like, every week I'll go back and I'll watch a couple of, like, I watched the tag match again uh, in AEW, and I watched the NXT match again last night, um, more to refresh, but just to kind of catch up or, or watch the really good stuff for the week. I watched the Io Shirai and Tegan Knox match for a second time, and the one thing that I left that match thinking before Dagota ever came out was, look at what we, the, what we potentially lost with Tegan having to go get that double knee surgery. Yeah. That was the one big takeaway was, oh, my God, the last two years Imagine. we could have had yeah. Tegan Knox and uh, Shayna Baszler, you know, f- having this massive feud, you know? Yeah, I mean, now we see why they wanted to fast track her, why they wanted to have her win the uh, the Mae Young Classic. Like, we see what they saw. And this yeah. is with her with two bum wheels now, you know? Yep. I mean, at the, they're supposedly they're, they're back to operating standards, but they're never going to be 100% again. So I love both gonna, of them selling the no knees as part of the story of the match right, and just right. all of that work. And we, they got a full half hour and just, man, this, this, there, there is no, it is, it is going to be hard for any other company to, to come close to a women's division right now. And I, I than, actually, than you know, I'm going to flip, I'm going to flip the notes here real quick, Nick. So bear with me, but yeah. I'm going to talk about another women's match we had on this card. Shotzi Blackheart versus Indy Hartwell, mm. Indy Hartwell. 
uh, coming out of out of the back. Uh, and that end with ended with Robert Stone getting in the ref's face. Aaliyah causing Shotzi Blackheart to fall off the top rope. Indy ends up giving her a super kick for the one, two, three. Indy Hartwell coming out of the back and winning a match. You know, lots of interference, but still, they, they're obviously putting some some respect on her name there. Um, and so now you have Shotzi probably going into a program with Robert Stone and Aaliyah. Uh, Killian Dane may be involved, although he's now looking for. Uh, I guess we saw a backstage bit where uh, uh, Loomis had drawn a, a cartoon about uh, the Great American Bash and Killian Dane was in it and he's looking all angry. So he's now he's mad at Loomis. I don't know. He's around doing something. But the bottom line is you've got Aaliyah and Shotzi heading into a feud. You've got Tegan who just lost to the champ and Dakota's going to step up and have that. But as you said, Nick, there's like 10 at least other legitimate women running around NXT I mean, we've talked about how deep that division is. We've talked about how women on the main roster are kind of sitting there with their thumbs up their butts with nothing to do. And so, and it's funny because I, I was online and actually uh, Sean Ross Sapp tweeted this an hour after I wrote this question in the note. So I think he's hacked my computer. At what point do we get a women's mid-card title? In NXT, An- you mean? Or cross-brand. Or, or anywhere. Or okay. just like a cross-brand title that can be defended across brands. At what point do we get a mid-card women's title? Because I still think they should have unveiled it. They, they, they didn't unveil the tag championships at the Evolution pay-per-view. I think it should have been a double whammy. You should have had tag, champ, tag championships unveiled for the women, and you should have had a mid-card title. I don't unveiled. know if they were ready at that point, but they sure to God are now. If yeah, Tegan Knox, If Tegan Knox can't beat Io Shirai, they've built her up as being someone who could dominate the mid-card of the women's division, have her sit there, be a mid-card champ, and then ultimately move up when the time is right, but give her something to do and keep her looking strong. You've got people like Mia Yim, who'd be a great uh, mid-card champ. Uh, Candice LeRae, at some point, Shotzi Blackheart. Like, you've got, and that's just NXT, main roster. How many women are just never going to get in that title picture because it's just being taken up by the Four Horsewomen and Alexa Bliss? Uh, this is, I think now it's got to be the time. You know, and been, there's been rumblings about another evolution. Uh, that would be the perfect time to do it. You know, whether or not they will do it, it's WWE, so likely no, they'll probably bungle this one as well. But na- but a women's mid-card title, I think, would be a brilliant idea to bring more shine to these divisions uh, and to the women in them. And that's what all I could think about after that Io Shirai match was, what do you do with Tegan Knox now? What do you do with her? She's just been outclassed in this match by Io Shirai. And what did, who did she go? Who did she go? do anything with now Rhea Ripley's still kind of flitting around and doing nothing you know so women's mid-card title just yeah saying. Esme's in the chat said bring the UK women's over and use it as a mid-card title yeah you could almost use that as sort of like a European title in a way Man, um you know you talked about like missing two years of Tegan Knox. we're missing a good chunk of time up from Kay Lee Ray your oh. current NXT UK champion, who is just an absolute freaking monster as Her, well. Her, Tony, Piper. Like, there's there's a whole cast yeah, of women over, over in the UK well. right now. Yep. Oh, man. Crazy. Uh, so then let's talk about some more NXT stuff here. Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes has him a match with Damian Priest. They finally get their grudge match. Not good enough for Great American Bash, but good enough for an average NXT show. And it's actually a damn good match. Oh, damn good match. This, what do you this th- was the match we've needed out of Damian Priest for a long time. 
This is, but this I is mean, face face aggressive priest. What do you think about face? Like we were kind of down on it. We're like, oh, he wasn't interesting as a heel. How's he going to be interesting as a face? Do you feel like he's interesting as a face now? Is he a good character? With Velveteen Dream out of the way, yes. I think that him and Velveteen Dream, their styles were a little too similar in a way. What? What? Uh, listen, you could have this over overly flamboyant kind of entrance and presentation, but I think with Velveteen Dream sort of, I don't know what's going on with Dream, now you could probably start to build uh, up uh-huh. Damian Priest a little bit more into what we've speculated, turn it up to 11, right? Give, have him come out in a giant fur coat. Give him a sort of vampire-esque kind of presence. See, what's you know, funny come is... Come out with a, with a brood, you know? One of the things that I think works is that he doesn't need to be flamboyant and go all the way to 11 if he's a face. That's heel shit. That's gorgeous okay. George shit. That's gold dust. You don't need that when you're a face. You can just come out and be a badass, and that's what he was in this match. He was a badass who was sick and tired of Cameron Grimes' shit, and that's all he needed to be. And he was aggressive. He was hard-hitting. He was going for him, and it felt badass. This was the best Damian Priest we've had in NXT. And it's wild because I never, I never would have thought of him as being an effective baby face, but here we are. You know, there was a, I mean, there's a couple times punishment. Martinez was a baby face and it worked there too, where, where if you have a strong, you have him acting strong, aggressive, like a badass, he pulls it off and he did here. It worked great. Yeah. Um, speaking of badasses, Timothy Thatcher, Timothy Thatcher, Timothy Thatcher. Oh my, we had uh, another, uh, Timothy Thatcher, Thatcher's thatch can class where he broke somebody's shoulder. And then he had a match with Denzel Desjarnet, who, by the way, to me, has future star written all over him. That mm-hmm. guy, uh, he's, got, he's, that, he's got a future. But uh, not on this episode because he had his arm ripped off by Timothy Thatcher as well. And then Timothy decided to teach him a little lesson after the match and keep going, which brought out Oni Lorcan with a taped-up shoulder to chase off Timothy Thatcher. Looks like we're getting an Oni Lorcan and Timothy Thatcher feud. And Nick? I, I know you have one thing to say about that. I have five words I'm going to turn into six. Put it in my eye holes. Ah, the first time we saw Timothy Thatcher in WWE, the first thing I thought of was Oni Lorcan. I've seen Timothy Thatcher for years and never put that together. And what the hell, the first major feud he has versus Oni Lorcan. Give it to me. They beat the crap out of each other last time. And it, it was my match of the week. Give me more. Yes, please. Thank you, Papa Trips. I like it. Yeah. Do it. If there was ever a someone might die match, mm. it, it might be Timothy Thatcher versus Oni Lorcan. Well, it's just, uh, you know me. I love, I love King's Road. I love, uh, you know, strong style over in Japan. I love guys hitting yep. the crap out of each other. Yep. So we're going to get that. Stiff AF. Down for it. And uh, <laughs> also uh, down for Santos Escobar and his boys hanging out in their house drinking. And talking about how great they are, and they're going to take over the cruiserweight division. Also great, love Santos Escobar, everything they're doing with him. That whole turn was fantastic. Looks like they're still feuding with Brizango and Drake Maverick, which down for the Drake feud. Brizango, take it or leave it, but not mad at it at all. Another solid episode of NXT. Santos Escobar's thing that with the this this segment this vignette finally hit home with me. I really, really I, I liked this him. Is what go- did it. I, I liked him going around and going. 
Raul Mendoza and just kind of talking <laughs> about his guys and just beefing them up a little bit, selling them, right? The technical wizard. Yes. Yes, you can fly from the fly to the sky and kill someone without them even knowing that you are there. <laughs> that that kind of stuff. Oh, okay, this is good. This is fun. I like this. Kyle dropping bombs. Oh, 20 bucks in the super chat. Thank you very much, sir. Says, I've gotten Thank excited you. for someone showing up for a match with no idea who he is, who he is facing like Thatcher since Ryback. Uh, I can just watch a Thatcher hurt everyone forever like this. Shows shows up someone getting hurt. Shows oh, up and someone getting hurt. Yep. Yes. Fight pit. Fight yeah. pit. Yes, and, and I, I, it's an interesting the the Ryback reference. Yeah, you weren't watching the match to see who, like who Ryback was fighting. You were just watching the match to watch him kick somebody's ass. Yeah, and that's kind of what a Timothy Thatcher is, where he, you just, you're there. You're he's a scary dude. Yeah, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Well, he's more on the bad guy Doesn't side. Matter. But either way, you're kind of like <laughs> someone going to die. <laughs> that's that's what I was saying last week. Hurt business. Some boy going to lose an arm. Timothy Thatcher to the Hurt Business. Yep. But now that we've got the nation rumors circling, that's probably not happening. Oh, my. It's yeah. not a nation rumor. Come on, Nick. You know exactly <laughs> what that was. That was – anyway, you're already over there booking the whole new nation of domination. Oh, oh I've got it all. It's, yeah, I'm ready to go. Oh, the next 12 months we're, it's in the books. We're good. Okay. Well, we're not going to let you get into that, Nick, because we've got plenty more to talk about over on Friday night SmackDown. Well, lots of stuff went on. This was this was marginally better than last week. Good, good description. But the, we're going to start with the good first, as any lots management training happen. session will tell you. Always start with yes. the good. AJ Styles versus Matt Riddle oh. in the main event for Speaking the Intercontinental things. title. Speaking of good things, Abraham Castillo. What? Dropping, doing a drive-by, dropping 20 in the Seagulling. tip jar, the Super Chat. Thank you so much, dude. Uh, he says, I love this show. We love you, too. Thanks, guys. Can't stay. Just stopping by to say hello. Everyone have a great weekend. Oh, man. Yeah, Thank you, brother. Man, you, have a great weekend you too. guys. Nice oh, seeing you. Warm, fuzzy tinglies all over. Nice Thank you so you. much, guys. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Abraham. That's why we call you phenomenal. Oh. Phenomenal. So speaking of phenomenal. Like speaking of phenomenal. Phenomena. Phenomena. AJ Styles versus Matt Riddle for the IC belt. As you were saying, Nick. A uh, pay-per-view quality match. Yep. On SmackDown TV, they uh, they went home to their pay-per-view uh, once again with AJ Styles giving us a pay-per-view quality match. The dude can't get on a pay-per-view with his Intercontinental Championship, but I'll be damned if he's not out here putting on classics on a week-to-week basis here. First mm. with Daniel Bryan, now with Matt Riddle, Drew Gulak. Uh, yeah, yeah. Another another absolutely lights-out match. Him and Matt Riddle right here. Matt Riddle's showing pretty much why why they're strapping him the way that they are. This match was freaking awesome. And it was also, as we said, Nick, like you showed how goofy the dude is. Now show he can go. And this match showed the dude can go. They gave him about 20, 25 minutes here. Long segment. Um, and I, you know what? Honestly, let's compare and contrast to how we started the show today with Brian Cage and John Moxley, where we said okay. – it's, you can't really have Cage lose. It cuts his legs off. Well, Matt Riddle just debuted. He just beat AJ Styles, the first thing he did, but not for the championship. This was for the championship, and he lost. And he lost clean as a whistle. Clean as a whistle to AJ. Now, it was they were tussling on the ground. I mean, this is after a long match of back and forth. Both of them have a couple of injuries. Both of them are sweating like pigs. 
they put in some work, and they're tussling on the ground, trying to get a good finishing hold in, and just AJ just happens to get Matt, you know, just catches him in a move quickly enough to get a one, two, three, and that's that. It's literally just Matt just got caught. No, Matt's got, got him in the bro mission. AJ just rolls him over onto his shoulders and one, two, three, and he's done. And it, so but they tussled a little bit out of it. It wasn't just that AJ just, you know, like like we've seen before where he just rolls him over in the submission. He breaks out, and there's a little bit of tussling. Yeah. And as they're tussling, he gets him pinned. I loved it. Yep. It, felt, it felt like amateur wrestling. It felt like catches catch can. It felt like yep. something that happened by chance. It wasn't a standard WWE roll-up, which we always – roll our eyes at right where it just seems arbitrary this felt just because of the skill of these two guys it really did feel like oh aj got him and the way that matt riddle sold it afterwards where he just was so mad at himself like he knew how he'd screwed up he knew how he positioned his body incorrectly you could see him just going damn it ah, i was right there i had him you felt that. You felt like any given sunday matt riddle might have been able to beat aj styles and we've seen that so yes now they're 50-50. It's 50-50 booking. But I feel like they protected Matt with that finish. Like they made him... like He looked like a star next to AJ here, even though he lost. So, yes, it's frustrating that they have to go back and have Matt lose as quickly to get, get AJ his win back. The 50-50 booking is annoying, but I was able to excuse it because of the execution. Do you and think that, they that gave this one away that it should have been on Extreme Rules on Sunday with a stipulation or... <sighs> No, because aside from the Intercontinental Championship being involved, it wasn't built up enough. It wasn't a big enough match. And as we found out after the match, it was transitional. This was a way to get Matt Riddle out of the AJ Styles' uh, line of sight and onto another feud because Baron Corbin's been bitter ever since Matt ran into him that first night on SmackDown and you know, came out of the ring and threw a shoe at him. Um, so Baron Corbin comes in, beats down Matt Riddle afterwards. Looks like we're getting Matt Riddle versus Baron Corbin. And the crowd goes wild. Um, I, Nick, the question I have about that is, have we not learned our lesson? I mean, maybe, maybe I'm making this rhetorical. Have we not learned our lesson about bringing in exciting new stars and having them feud with underwhelming gatekeepers? That's not that was not my Im impression. I, no, Excellent. they haven't learned that lesson. Okay, <laughs> but isn't uh, Baron C, Corbin? Isn't that what he C is? See Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Isn't yep. Baron Corbin now Dolph Ziggler from two well, three years ago? I think people might be a little numb because of all of the King Corbin royalty stuff, because of all of the shenaniganry of Constable Corbin over the last twelve to twenty four months. But lest we forget, Matt Riddle is a black belt in multiple, I believe, jiu-jitsu and uh, some other combat sports. Baron Corbin is uh, a, an ex-NFL athlete and a Golden Gloves boxer. Okay. So getting two sort of natural strikers in the ring together has my attention. Now, the question is, is it going to be silly, gimmicky King Corbin with his fur cape and his crown, or are we going to get what we've seen more recently, which is more Terminator, I'm going to effing kill you, Corbin? Because if we get the latter of those two, don't sleep on this. This could actually be pretty good. You're right. I do think Matt Riddle might be able to bring out something good in Corbin, but think about all of the promos we're going to have to sit through, all the Baron Corbin promos. 
Okay. All of the uh, we're gonna have to sit through a lot of that Baron Corbin goofy I'm the I'm the king nonsense to get to a good match or two. And is that the only person we can think of to put Matt Riddle with on SmackDown? Exactly. So, that was my thought. And Kyle with another five dollars in the super chat says, shout out to the subtle Gulak Riddle and Brian faction they quietly formed over on SmackDown. Looking forward to some magic there. Mm-hmm. Catch point two point yeah, there you go. Catch, catch point, catch two, catch two point oh. I don't know. Work, we'll work on that. Uh, a lot of people in the chat talking about how they own Evolve now, so they could they could easily do there catch you go. point again. Um, nice. I would, I would love that. I would love that. Please, and then get Matt Riddle away from Baron Corbin as quickly as possible. Skeptically um, optimistic. That that was my takeaway from it. Uh, I have hopes. It's how I would book it. I, I am too, but skeptical and bold. Yeah. Moment of bliss. There was a moment of bliss. A moment, a, a brief, brief moment of bliss. And then a long moment of bliss segment. Uh, Alexa and Nikki coming out. I mean, I, I was about to really just describe the whole thing, and it's just pretty simple. They came out. They were interrupted by Bailey and Sasha. And then their actual guest came out, and it was Asuka. Things broke down into a brawl. We had a match. Uh, Asuka and Nikki Cross versus Bailey and Sasha to set up the two women's title matches this Sunday on Extreme Rules. Pretty much by the books, how you you know this was this was booking 101 for especially WWE. Um, thank God all these women are exciting and know how to work. Thank God. Match was fantastic. I loved match it. Was fantastic. Ba- yeah. Bailey wins with the feet on the ropes, uh, going into a pay per view, pinning Nikki Cross in match. That was cover. interesting. Yeah, I'm going. Hmm. Okay, you're you're (laughs) having Nikki eat the pin before a pay-per-view. There's no momentum for her. Yes. Backstage later, she was telling Alexa, my family's going to be watching me. I feel like I've let myself down. I have no momentum going this pay-per-view. And then she saw Bailey and Sasha and attacked them. I wonder if that's their way of writing her some momentum back and they didn't want to have Bailey get pinned by Nikki at any point. But that seems strange. It was very odd. That was a very odd finish, I thought, story-wise, booking-wise. But uh, again, this was I, I was not excited by the booking here. I was excited by the match, and I was excited by the people involved. I was ex- also ex- I agreed. I was also excited about what this could potentially mean if we interpret this correctly. Well, C- if could you, we if get a swerve it, on, on tomorrow night? Right, and have Nikki pick up the belt. Like Sasha screws up, and that's where it starts. And Sasha doesn't get her belt from Asuka. I don't know. I'm still well. Are we, we finally to, here? Can we, we? Are we finally getting excited that it's happening finally? N- oh. No, not yet. And we have to do our pickums in a little bit. So okay. just hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Pull your dress down, Jesus. Uh, all right. So yeah, that was my problem with this is it didn't increase any heat on any of the programs. It was just it was entertaining because of the talent. Yeah, but the booking still is not not helping them and it's not helping the tag team division either. Big E versus Cesaro happened and the winner was going to pick the stipulation for New Day versus Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura on Sunday. Yeah. Oh. I the, again we have a tag match on Sunday. We have a singles match from the tag teams. And the only thing interesting here was what's the stipulation going to be? And it was apparently between a cage match and a tables match. And seeing as they've been messing with, with tables for weeks, 
we called it being a tables match, I think, two weeks ago, Nick. Yeah. And then at that, you know, so Cesaro ends up winning the match with a Nakamura interference. Okay. And we have backstage Cesaro Nakamura contemplating, well, you know, Cage is pretty brutal, but I don't want to see Big E gyrate against the cage. So I guess tables it is. I just, I, this was the first segment on the show, and I'm not going to lie. I, I was, I was dreading the rest of SmackDown. Not because the match was bad, the match was fine. Big E and Cesaro are fun to watch because it's a really uh, two big strong dudes doing big strong dude things. And I think that Nakamura Cesaro versus New Day will be a fun match on Sunday if they up their ante from the week to week shows. It could very easily be a SmackDown match. But did, so in comparison to the women's tag match, was this whole setup, was this whole angle less exciting because it was kind of wrote by the books, by the numbers, but there wasn't really any exciting payoff here? There, there was nothing to pay off. Exactly. That well, was, was my it, it was sort of... It was the announcement uh, of the like, I was, was wrapped up in the moment of Cesaro getting the victory. Uh, I was also very high on the way that they opened the show with all of these little sort of prime time sort of introduction. Each of them got 30 seconds to, to promo. And they clipped all these together to as a way to open the show with all the, and to tell you what the match card was going to be for the night. Really, really clever. Yes, please keep doing that kind of stuff. Um, but I think I was I was a little lost in the moment of Cesaro getting a victory here, like a, and, <laughs> yeah, and the gravity he behind won. that. Like, yeah. oh my God, Cesaro picked up over Big E. Well, Big really? E had to get he had to get kicked in the head by Nakamura. Well, but sure. It wasn't, a clean wasn't victory. It wasn't completely clean. <laughs> but oh. the the problem I have, I think, is what you're highlighting is that we haven't been given enough to care about with Cesaro and Nakamura yet uh, to give this any sort of gravitas to to amp yeah. me up for it. They're Other than the fact that they're all team. amazing technicians in the ring and they're all a lot of fun to watch. So it'll be fun, but to what end? Nothing, basically. Yeah, it was okay. It's a tables match. Cool, cool, cool. The only thing that <laughs> popped out for me was commentary was 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 Corey Graves saying, "I wonder what Woods is going to do Sunday," and then trying to cover it up. But it, I mean, he could be here, right? Uh, he could be hiding under the ring. Uh, uh, uh. Whoops. So if uh, Xavier Woods comes out on Sunday, <laughs> you heard it from Corey first. Yeah. Uh, actually, I really hope he does. I think that the one the one thing that could make this match extra interesting is Nakamura and Cesaro dominating New Day, and then Xavier Woods coming out for the save. He's, yeah, they got should... him on the ropes. It's the end of the match. They can't go anymore, and Xavier Woods comes out with Francesca. His and boots saves off the day. Xavier's boots off. I was watching him on on streaming and whatnot. He's walking around. His boots off, so he could come out. He maybe he doesn't have to get in the ring if he's walking. Could come out, hit someone with the chuba. Or a trombone, whichever. Some if sort it of comes out with a tuba. I'm going to lose my some sort as of a, some as sort of brass. A high instrument. school band geek that played euphonium and tuba. I, that's yeah. Going to come out. He's going to come out with a French horn. Yeah. He is. Uh, this I know we've been waiting. You've been waiting to talk about this one. Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman have a swamp match on Sunday. Which uh, I'm not going to lie. When we started this, I started this podcast. I never thought I'd say that. Uh, a swamp match. That's something. That's like something from um, uh, Southpaw Regional Wrestling, right? Swamp match, the Swamp Monster, February 29th. Come on down, Norland, get yourself a gumbo. We're gonna have a swamp get match. Get a gumbo, yeah. Get, get, get a gumbo, yeah. Bray Wyatt out on the Bayou, 
and it's a Swamp Bray. It's old uh, Max Cady Bray. And he tells us a long yarn about Braun Strowman and where he came from and how Braun's going to come back home and he's going to destroy him. I made him. I must destroy him. Not a bad promo. Pretty straightforward. Kind of reiterated a lot of stuff we'd heard before. You know, well-delivered. It's Bray. Um, but didn't really, like, light a fire under my ass. You know what did, though? Braun Strowman. Because he had a match with John Morrison that John Morrison was terrified of the entire night. Miz trying to give him a pep talk all night. So they get out of the ring. Morrison's feeling pretty good. <laughs> Nick's showing off his Braun Strowman shirt. He's ready. Uh, I need to do something that's Morrison, long overdue while you're doing this, by the way. Finally, okay. Morrison finally mans up for the match, gets down there, and then Braun's new entrance hits. There's steam everywhere. There's a giant train on the Titan Tron that crashes through a couple of walls. And Braun comes out sweating from every pore, wild-eyed, looking like he's been on a crack bender for two weeks, and starts screaming into the mic. He starts at about a nine and gets to an 11 by the end, screaming about Bray and the Swamp and the Fiend and just going nuts, and then basically just being like, and I'm going to kill you! It starts roaring down to the ring, and Morris is just like, oh, shit! And just gets murdered. Just gets mur- Like, Braun just murders John Morrison. Just gets squashed. Literally squash hucks that man him. across the entire corners of the ring. Just destroys him. Um, which people were pissed about. Online, they were like, you just squashed John Morrison. To which I say, yeah, did you see Braun? For- forest for the trees, guys. Let's, let's not lose focus. They're, like... <laughs> One of the reasons I think they chose John Morrison in particular is over the last few weeks, they've shown that John Morrison is legit. He's gone, he's gone ham in his matches. He's shown he can fight. He's shown he can win. Um, he and Miz lost to, to Braun in the last pay-per-view, for God's sake. Like, he's showed he could beat both of them. Like, it's not a big deal to have John Morrison squashed, especially when the whole point is here is to show that Braun Strowman has lost his damn fool mind. He's gone crazy. Bray's gotten in his head. He's up there going, I gotta kid- slap the devil in the face. This fiend is coming. The fiend is everything I've ever done wrong in my life. He's the scariest thing I've ever seen. And I he's gonna kill me and I'm gonna kill you. And I that was terrifying. That was that, where that, is that actually from? was terrifying, what you just did. I, well, that was that was my impression of what Ron oh. Strowman did. Uh, all of that following his new Titantron of a giant steam locomotive coming roaring through. Yeah, exactly. Like Braun the train, like Thomas the it train with his huge face in front of it. It was intimidating as hell. This is so good. This is everything I've ever wanted Braun to be. <laughs> what this is insane? 2017, the monster's back. This is exactly what it needed to be. If if he doesn't beat, and it it's terrible because he has to beat Bray on tomorrow. Because if not, what's the point? This is so bad. Oh God! I, like I don't even know what to do. Well, we're gonna take it down for a second. We'll we'll, we'll bring it back down. I'm sorry. We sorry, were trying, we, got, we, we were trying to put the the same level of emotion in our segment as Braun right. did in that one. Good lord! Braun's Braun's backstage doing bumps with Ric Flair. He coming out on a, at an eleven. <laughs> we're we're going right there with him. Uh, the <laughs> Kyle line drive four ninety nine says Tyler the banker breeze laughing at his long term swamp monster investment finally paying off Sunday. <laughs> Adjust mustache. <laughs> exactly, Kyle. Yep. And uh, and Esme. Esme, thank you, love. $10. Yes. Thank you very much. She says, 
so much yelling on this episode. I love it. Yeah. Thank you, Esme. <laughs> It's a lot of yelling. Well, we we had someone comment on our one of our YouTube videos that we yell too much, so we thought that no, we it was a, it was a very we, nice iTunes review. So hi, we oh we're, was it iTunes? We're yelling okay. today, yeah. yeah we yell, uh, we for yell those of you that are not here watching live or watching the VOD on YouTube at some later date, <laughs> I am wearing my my Throwback Monster Among Men 2017 shirt, and I I did finally after more than a year replace Braun Strowman atop my microphone here in in the pit so yes i'm back bronze back this is the bron i want it's this been long enough since he dissed indie wrestlers for not having a job that <laughs> you're able to forgive him now i i i yes i hopefully he got a nice big wrist message. slap from pr backstage yes. it says knock it off uh and and all of that stuff but listen uh this is the bron that i've wanted and I don't want to take away from all of the comedy backstage work that Miz and Morrison were doing leading up to this match either. It was brilliant. You're you're gonna you're gonna face Braun Strowman? Are you are you not scared? Hell yes, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> all of Hilarious that stuff was stuff. fantastic as well. So it even when Braun comes out, just like his Tron, that steam locomotive just roaring down the ramp. <laughs> I was stood up with my arms in the air going, Yes! Yes, it's back. Oh, God. Naya's right back there, Kyle. You can kind of see her face with her action figure and her T-shirt. Yeah, you need, to, you need to pull her down so people can I, see your I, This trying. whole thing back here. Own there's it. New, there's own new it. stuff Just on order. It, it's, it's, it's back there. It's, it's right, going to get changed. Let's focus. Yeah. Focus. Focus. Bra- we Braun Strowman. We're, we're, like, we're like Braun Strowman here. We're all over the place. Braun Strowman is heading towards Bray Wyatt on Sunday. He murders John Morrison. People were pissed about John Morrison losing here. I think it was fine because Morrison is seen as legitimate, and Braun murdered him. That's how dangerous Braun is right now. But part of what he was screaming at the top of the ramp was, I've got to kill Bray. I've got to beat Bray on Sunday. Because if I don't, I'll have to face the Fiend. And the Fiend is everything that I've done wrong, rolled up, rolled up into one. I don't want to face him. I thought, like, in the middle of all of this spitting and screaming, that was a really interesting nugget of something there. Mm-hmm. Like, And here's the thing. I know that Braun is 100% on board with whatever story that Bray is telling. Because Bray is telling a story here. Yep. Braun is the godfather of Bray's child in real life. Yep. They are very close. And their time on the road together uh, when when Braun first came into the Wyatt family was apparently very, very um, important for Braun's life. And and for Bray as well. Like they, They became very close with each other. And that makes me think that here, Braun mentally as a performer is getting what Bray is trying to do. And so if we're seeing something that seems odd, that seems like it's kind of like, like Braun going to whatever place he's going here. I, for me, I'm saying this is intentional. Like whatever Braun's doing this, this, this panicked scared monster thing he's doing, who's maybe turning evil, who's, you know, the darkness is coming out of him, whatever you want to call it. That's intentional. That's part of Bray's story. And I'm here for it. Like, I was, I was kind of... I didn't really care. I'm not going to lie. Braun being that amped got me reinvested. Like, Bray set it up with his speech. Braun knocked it down. And it, now I'm, now it I'm interested. It made like, what me it? miss. It, 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 I loved the Bray thing, walking around the swamp and everything outside. And it made me realize what a what we missed 
And it made me go back to the original Wyatt family stuff and just go, God damn it, all over See, again. But I, I, the problem is I feel like it was a step backwards. Like the, it was nostalgic and all of that. I feel like they're just doing it to kill time. At least they're getting some sort of story and interesting character work out of Brawn on it. Mm. That's all I'm looking at here. This is good for Brawn. It, it isn't doing shit for Bray. This is, this is just Bray spinning his wheels before we get the Fiend back, which right now is his bread and butter. It's what everyone wants to see. Yep. Right? But we haven't seen it in a long time. Yep. Ever since a 50-year-old man beat his ass in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so this, I feel, is just a way to develop Braun more. And I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm all game. Let's, let's do it. Um, Lacey Evans versus Naomi. There is no transition I could make to, to get into this match. Lacey Evans versus Naomi coming out of the karaoke match from last week. Going, going from a swamp match to a karaoke contest that ended up in a one-on-one -on -one women's match that was about five minutes. Did not give them much to work with here. By the uh, way, I want to interject really quickly. Uh, my windows just shook. There is a crazy thunderstorm going over my house right now, so if we disappear... You'll know why. <laughs> it's, it, it's because God stopped us. Yes. Uh, so Lacey Evans versus Naomi was actually, I thought, a very fun match for five minutes. Like, they, they, were, they both looked great. I liked the finish where Lacey tied Naomi's hair around the ropes. As, Lacey, as uh, Naomi was getting untangled, she turned around into a woman's right, one, two, three. Um, and I understand why they moved Lacey away from Sonya Deville because Lacey's going heel again. Are they doing Naomi dirty, or are we heading into a feud here? What is the and and who's going to come out of this looking better? Because both of these women need a win and need some exposure. I think I understand what they're trying to do, but I don't like this at all for either of these women. I think they were on a really good path with Lacey Evans as a face, uh, her military yep. background, her daughter, all of that stuff we've seen the first half of the year. Um, they were setting her up to potentially go up after the SmackDown Women's Championship against Bayley. Uh, Naomi coming back was also a really good contender, and they were having some contender matches to see all of that. But flipping Lacey Evans and doing Naomi dirty yet again, this whole thing was a no, was just a negative negative to me. And I, I, didn't, I don't like the outcome for either woman, honestly. Meanwhile, here's Nikki Cross getting an opportunity. So yeah, I, but someone, someone's going to have to have an opportunity after her. I understand. And it might be one of these two women. And, but I'm with you. I, I feel like they're kind of doing both women dirty, Lacey by turning her heel, and Naomi by just not using her. Not using her. Ten years in the company, she's been champ twice. And, you know... As you said, we've got someone who hasn't won a match in months getting a title shot. It's kind of strange. Not that Naomi's won anything. She hasn't won any matches except for a karaoke contest that was run by her, her brother-in-law. Um, so it is tough. I, because remember the pop that Naomi got at the Royal Rumble this year. Yep. Remember the pop. I do. Remember the, remember the investment the audience had in Lacey Evans. Uh, you know, when she had her daughter ringside, you know, that was, that would have been a perfect time to give her the title. Yep. She was primed. Nope. They didn't pull the trigger. So both of these women, I feel got dirt done dirty in the last six months. Agreed. Um, and should be getting more. At least they're fighting each other. At least they're on TV. 
they're not just sitting in the back anymore. So that's good if I want to look at it glass half full. But uh, as you if, said, if they were going to introduce a mid card title, they'd be a perfect pair to be the first ones to fight and for. And that's it, you know, and the, you literally took the words out of my mouth. That was what I was going to kind of end this on was mid card title. These women would be mm, right there at the top. Yep, right there at the top. They are that. one step underneath. One literally, step underneath. they're one step away from uh, main eventing. Like it's it's Lacey Evans could. And I don't know about her being a heel. Like I'm still very weird about that. I, I feel like they moved away from something that wasn't working into something that really defined her persona. But from what, everything I hear, this was kind of her. A lot of her. She wanted to go back to being a little bit heelish. So I'm, I, I fine, fine, okay. You know, I just <laughs> I don't think it works as well as having the daughter and be having the military background and all of that good old Southern Charlotte stuff that yeah. we all talk about all the time. But yeah. Which is kind of face 101. But at any rate, we'll see where they go with this. And we'll also see where they go with Jeff Hardy and Sheamus, who apparently are not having their bar brawl on Sunday, clearing up that show. They're going to have it next week on SmackDown. Much like Big Show and Randy Orton having their their, uh, unsanctioned match on Raw to try to drive ratings, it looks like they think that the Jeff Hardy-Sheamus segments are driving some sort of ratings because they're saving that for next week's SmackDown. It's the big thing they're promoting is Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus in a bar fight. Jeff Hardy was talking about it backstage, got beat down by Sheamus, who then kind of sat over him and said, I'll see you next week, boy. How are I'm, you? A- I'm actually getting mad at this the more I think about it. The more I try to like dig into the, the story behind it. So is Sheamus supposed to represent his sobriety and he's trying to defeat his sobriety by facing it head on in a bar or is Are the you, idea that Jeff Hardy is just going to collapse uh, or his, his willpower is just going to feign and he's just going to start drinking in the middle of the bar fight? In the middle of the match. Like, yeah, he's like, going like, to walk into a bar what do you in the expect? middle of the match. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen here? Sheamus is going to hold him down on a table and like pour Jack Daniels down his throat and just going to be like Barney on The Simpsons. It begins! And just, ah, I'm going to drink it all. Uh, I don't know. We'll find I hate out all, next I hate week. All, everything to do with that. Yeah, I, I, I despise this whole angle, and I, I'm not looking forward to next week on SmackDown, but I am looking forward at this point, Nick, to Sunday, because Sunday is the horror show at Extreme Rules, and we got to talk about that right now. Let's t- give our Extreme Rules pick Kicking things off at the top in the Ojo por Ojo match. Eye for an eye for those that uh, do not speak Le Espanol. Uh, <laughs> Seth Rollins. Le Espanol. <laughs> Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio, probably with some Murphy fired. and Dominic on You're the side. Fired. <laughs> uh, who do you got here? Who, how do you, how do you, oh, how do you get the God. hell out of this corner they've painted themselves into? Jesus, I don't know. Rey already has the uh, eye patch mask. And he may be leaving the company. I have not heard if he's signed the, the contract again or not. He's working without a contract. And if he has, they're probably keeping it so tightly under wraps just so that we don't know. This is, uh, this is a coin flip. They could go either way. From what we're being told, someone's losing an eye. Uh, they're going to CG. CGI. Eye. Eye, yeah. Get it? <laughs> show, show an eye being extracted. From someone's head. I have no idea what to expect from this. This is going to be one of those things where up until it happens, I'm just going to be trepidatious just knowing this is coming. We're like, all right, let's see what they're going to do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what you going to do? What you got, WWE? You know, I, I, where we had a, 
we had a bet, I think, at Money in the Bank where is someone going to go off the top of the roof? Yeah. And they did. They were like, oh, shit, they threw someone off the roof. And then it was the lamest, most, like, goofy, like, they just yeeted a couple of guys off the roof, including Rey Mysterio. And they just showed back up the next night on Raw. Like, nothing happened. Like, oh, yeah, it was another ledge, like, six feet down. And we're all just like, you come on! (laughs) So... I wonder if that's how this is going to be as well, where they, they pull out someone's eye and then they show up on Raw the next night <laughs> with their eye in there. Oh, yeah, I had it surgically reattached. It's fine. You know, like, I just, I, I don't know what to expect here. Or yeah. does Seth Rollins show up for the rest of his career with one, like, with one contact lens in one of his eyes to say, show he has, a, like, a new eyeball? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to take Rey Mysterio. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to take Seth pulling out Ray's eye. Agreed. So, yeah, I've got Seth winning this one, especially because he just got punked out on Raw. I've got to think Seth gets his back uh, here. Um, Unless it truly is eye for an eye. And, you you know, he took Ray's eye. Now Ray's going to take his. Something like that. I don't, I don't, I I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea why. I'm mostly curious how Murphy and Dominic have a side effect on this match. Um I, I think either way it could those two being ringside could have uh, uh, a trick to play into how the into the outcome of this. Quite possibly. Bloodthirsty Esme over here in the super chats. Good I lord, woman. Five dollars. Thank oh. you very much, love. Wow. I, I want to see some eyeballs out of their sockets a la Kill Bill. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with Pi May. Pi May is not in this match, I don't think. And uh, Line Drive, 199, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. He says, Pirate Rollins versus Ninja Tozawa. Gar. Pirates versus ninjas. I'll take on a ninja any day of the week. <laughs> was, was that your pirate accent right there? It, it is. Hi. Be it your pirate voice then, matey. <laughs> send you down to Davy Jones' locker. Also be sending you over to Apollo Cruz versus MVP for the U.S. championship. Uh, this is an interesting one. Yeah. Hasn't been a ton of build for it. It's been mostly MVP going around recruiting, talking to Cedric and Ricochet, and not a lot of Apollo the last couple of weeks. But who do you have here, Apollo Cruz versus MVP? I think this might be the toughest one on the card to pick, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Because I'm still reeling off of the news from the Apollo interview yesterday. Um, I'm trying not to read too much into it, but I think, I don't think you strap MVP. I think Apollo, okay. I'm going to pick Apollo Crews to retain. Okay. You're leaving it at that? <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm picking MVP. Okay. Uh, he's got Lash in his side. I know he won the last match that they had through Lashley interference. It may be that Cedric and Ricochet come out to save Apollo, but I'm looking down this card and saying, what championships change hands? Because you have to have some... I I would assume you have a championship or two change hands. And I've got another one I think is changing hands. Same. But I think think that MVP carries... He's already got the new title around his waist. Right? He is the driving force of all of these programs. And him winning that gives him more luster. And if at some point... Lashley turns on him or someone else wants to take it off of him, it makes him the final boss. You got to get through Lashley to get through him. So I think there's more story with MVP having the belt. I don't, I don't think that necessarily means he's going to win, even though I'm picking him. 
I think this is, I'm taking a chance here. I'm going on a flyer. But I think it would be more interesting if MVP wins, especially if he's starting a stable, having him be the Farouk, right? Yeah. If you want to no, put that you, way. you make a good point. I just don't know if they're going to pull the trigger on that on exactly. the I So don't that's know why I'm picking Apollo. Either. I think it can happen later. So, so I love that, as may have over in the chat, didn't MVP retire? Um, yep. Yes, and then he unretired very quickly when they offered him a whole bunch of stuff to do. Yep. I can't say that I blames him. New Day versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Who you in, got here? In a tables match that we now... In a, ta- in a tables match. Um... Everything in my being wants to say Shinsuke and Cesaro pull this off, but New Day retains. New Day retains. Yep. I, I don't see them pulling the trigger on Nakamura no. and Cesaro right now. I would like them to. I'm lying with you. Like I, I would like them to just to legitimize them, yep. but New Day retains. Xavier Woods possibly comes out. Who knows? Um, be interesting if Xavier came out and turned on New Day. That'd be an interesting angle. Throwing it out there, putting it in your ears, putting it in your minds. You heard it here first. Okay. Asuka versus Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship. I've Nick, I've got to stake my flag on this. I've been saying it for a month and a half. I think Sasha's taking it off of Asuka. I'll just put that out there right now. I'll stick to my guns. I think they're going to strap Sasha and put all the gold on those girls. I agree. Sasha Banks. Real, really? You came around? I did. Whoa. My goodness. All right. Bailey versus Nikki Cross then. Where are you at with that? That makes this one t- uh, okay. Let's just say Bailey retains to make your prophecy come true. Then what? It's my prophecy. You don't have to go with me. No, no. Uh, so I'm I'm playing this out in a way. So uh, th- there's something in me that wants to see Sasha win one, but Bailey lose hers in the same night, just to kind of stoke that a little bit. <laughs> that would be um, interesting. And it and it to be I don't and I don't. She's not a nobody, but it to be someone who has not really shown to be a contender but it just it happens maybe sasha comes out and interferes causing bailey to lose i'm not gonna lie the idea of nikki having the belt is i love it because it legitimizes nikki and it makes her not just alexa's perky friend which they like to refer to her as it's just Uh, extremely unlikely (laughs) it's extremely unlikely but it but i like the idea of sasha winning and bailey losing that's, I and think the that's dynamic, the way I'm going to go, actually. And the I'm dynamic gonna, shifting, and all of a sudden, Bailey's starting to get jealous of Sasha. That yep. Honestly, if I were a booker, that would be the smart book. That would be the most interesting... Says the man wearing to, an I Survived Nick Booking t-shirt. I love it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go Sasha wins, Bailey loses, strap Nikki Cross, let's start this thing, let's kick it into gear already. Not going to lie. I hope you're right. Yep. Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt. Oh, in a what was your pick? Match. Did you say Bailey retains? I said Bailey, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had to pick Bailey to keep my prophecy. Yeah. Um, to have them have all the belts. Yeah. But I like, I, like I said, I like your, I like not your booking, but the booking that we agreed on better. Yeah. Okay. Let's be clear. <laughs> <laughs> Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt in a swamp match for the Universal Championship. Uh, I think this one's an easy call, right? Like, there's no way that Swamp Bray is beating Braun. I don't know. Oh, come on. Hang on. Hear me out. <sighs> God. How do we get back to The Fiend? 
he was what he was the context of what he was screaming while we were all lost in just the idea that he was screaming the way but you highlighted it earlier he said i have to beat bray in order to or the fiend will come out and the fiend is everything that i've done wrong all so if how do we get back to the fiend does he lose to bray wyatt now well, Bray is, has the belt again, and he has the power, and the Fiend comes back, and we continue the story, and somehow Braun down the road vanquishes the Fiend? No, I think I think this is like any good horror story. Braun thinks that if he kills Swamp Bray, he's destroying the Fiend, but it's not going to work. All it's going to do is bring the Fiend that much closer. He's actually going to release the Fiend. Got it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, That's what I feel with this, is that Braun thinks that he can stop Bray, but it's a hopeless battle. Yeah, I don't think Cajun Bray is going to win the title. So I'm, I'm going to pick Braun to retain. The, the I just Braden? don't know how this is going to finish. Honestly, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how, how they do this. It's going to be one of those cinematic matches, right? If so Swamp I, Bray isn't eaten by a damn crocodile, I will be disappointed. That's a good point. I'm going to be, I'm going to be sad. It, I, would, I, it would just be alligators, though, not crocodiles. You're right. Sorry, the big broad nose, right? Crocodiles, skinny well, nose. Well, it's water, salt water. You don't know. It's the bayou, man. You could be down by the sea. <laughs> All right. Could be salt water. Uh, Bra- Bra- I'm going to say, I don't know who wins the match, but Braun retains. Sure. I agree. I don't know how, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do this. This I don't, is going to be a tricky a way to get out of. Well, I don't, I don't think it will be. I think, I, think, I think Bray Wyatt dies at the end of the match, oh. and then she comes back as the Fiend. <laughs> That's more. Well, you know, it appears that he dies. It appears that he dies. Does Braun- the Fiend somehow get summoned, and the Fiend wins the match it's not actually swamp bray like all of this stuff is the craziness that's going around in my head no i think they're slow playing this till SummerSlam. i i, I think we may see an appearance of the fiend at the end like in an yeah. image like you know like like my like at the end of the movie the body's gone my, they shot michael myers six times in the back with a 45 and then they go look again five minutes later and his body's gone you know like right. that kind of thing we might yeah. see the fiend pop up at the end like a little ooh. Yeah. Stay tuned. He's out there. Oh, my fiend. He's coming for you, Braun. Oh. Rest in peace. Drew McIntyre. <laughs> for those of you listening to the podcast, Nick is holding up his Powerade like, like an urn. That's brilliant. <laughs> Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler. For the WWE Championship. Uh, we still don't know the, we still don't know the, the uh, stipulation for this one. But the rule, but whatever it is, it will be extreme. It'll be a horror show. Uh, who do you have winning this one? Oh, I mean, I gotta say, for the first time in years, I feel like there's there's some pretty damn extreme stipulations in the in this pay per view. You're not, uh, you know, you're not wrong. I, that, <laughs> we've we've always been we always down on, on extreme rules. That the, oh, let's have a chairs match. It's, that's extreme. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> Look, I'm gonna bring right. I'm gonna bring a kendo stick and put it on a pole. If you lose this match, we're going to extract one of your effing eyeballs. Holy shit! If you lose this match, you're gonna get fed to alligators in the swamp. Holy shit! (laughs) That's extreme. That's extreme. You're right. Drew versus Dolph. What the hell can he? What's Dolph gonna come up with? Right. You're not wrong. Uh, Drew. Drew's not losing Uh, the title at a B pay per view. Uh, Drew McIntyre here. Drew McIntyre. Absolutely. So those are our picks. Those are all the matches that we know of so far. They may add another one. Yeah. But that is what we know (sighs) so far. My goodness. My goodness, Nick. It's gonna be a lot of stuff on this show that's up in the air. Like. 
What to expect? I don't know, but join us right here after the pay-per-view is done. We will be doing a recap show immediately after the – well, a couple minutes after the pay-per-view. We'll be doing a recap and review of the show, talking about everything that happened. Uh, So stay tuned after the pay-per-view tomorrow for that. Of course, join us in Discord during the pay-per-view because we will be having a lot of fun. If you want to find the link to Discord, go to Facebook Discussion Group. Search for BW or Busted Wide Open. You'll find us. Check it out. Quick love to Kyle over in the chat. Mm. $4.99. Thank you very much, sir. Thank Thank you you very much. He says, the only match that could be more extreme for this show is a PC parking lot brawl. Only a casino brought the lawnmower out. The the performance center parking lot is the most dangerous place in WWE. That's He's not that's, wrong. That's true. That's true. That's not wrong. Whoever Motor, gets motorcycle whoever gets, ninjas and mask uh, luchadors, poop throwing right. homeless guys, right? J- get yeah. hit and run by DUIs. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah, get your career shortened by by a few years, like Kenta. Oh, but yeah. It's 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 no joke out there. It's hard out here. But, uh, yes, that is, that is it for the meat of our show. But we only have one more thing left to do, Nick. That is it. What, is, what, are, what are we doing? We are doing what we like to call our moment of positivity. That's right, the moment of positivity, the mop, brought to you by Sean Clark. This is, our, this is the time of the show where we... Look back over the week, whatever bitching, whatever complaining we do on the rest of the show, we try to end with something positive, something happy, something to send us all back out into the world with a smile on our faces, something that, that gave us the warm fuzzies inside over the last few days of the graphs of the pro wrestling, something that we can all kind of laugh and have fun at. Nick, what was your moment of positivity for the show? Um, I have a couple, if you'll humor me. That's good. Hey man, but um, I mean you have to pick one. But I, I you can pick, give. You I have get, to pick get, one. Yeah, but you can get. You can like say what your options were, and then you get to pick one. So I wanted to pick the uh, the amount of positivity that I saw embracing Sunny Kiss opening up AEW, um, having a t- championship match with Cody for the TNT Good Championship. I, yeah. I loved that, and and Cody being uh, a positive force out there saying. Uh, you know, I am proud to go into the ring with Sonny Kiss. Uh, like that kind of stuff, just yeah. Oh, oh, if you, if you, what was he? He said, "If you have a problem with me fighting Sonny Kiss, you can kiss my ass." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, just no bones about. Damn it. right, Cody. Yeah, damn right, son. And and if, and if you feel like for some reason that Sonny Kiss doesn't deserve some kind of opportunity like that, you can kiss mine too. Um, at the end of the day, though, I would not be Nick from Busted Wide Open if my moment of positivity. <laughs> We're not Braun Strowman coming out roaring and screaming like the monster <laughs> of old and giving uh, maybe his best all-time promo coming down the ramp to murder John Morrison. It's funny because I don't think that it was a good promo, but it was damn exciting. I, it was just him going for like 30 seconds. It was just bizarre. It was a lot of fun. It was. It sat you back in your seat and kind of went, whoa! So, I'll give him that. <laughs> um, dear God. Yeah, dear God, man. <laughs> I mean, dear God, monster among men. Right. Um, dang, man. Well, you, you, picked, uh, you picked some good ones. I don't really know how to follow that other than just to say once again, um, damn good week of wrestling. Yeah. Just I mean I, I don't know if I can pick a single moment. We had we had three 
overall solid shows. SmackDown had had the lowest lows of any of the shows, but yeah. even you know those the lowest of the SmackDown stuff wasn't that bad. AJ Styles versus Matt Riddle was a banger. Uh, NXT had a couple of fantastic, a bunch of fantastic matches. Tegan Dox and Io Shirai. You had, we had guys. If, you, versus, if you've watched that, go back and just watch that match again. It's a fantastic yeah. thirty-minute match. Lee Dijak, women. Shirai Knox, and uh, Cameron Grimes and Damian Priest. Right there, three awesome matches. Plus, then we had a Shotzi Black, Blackheart and a Timothy Thatcher match. That was a damn good show. Tag wrestling is your thing as well. You had two badass sort of dream feuds or matches kind of going on. You had the Revival facing the, the Lucha, Lucha Bros. Brothers. Yeah. Ah! And Jurassic Express versus Elite was fun too. And, I'm, and my moment of positivity, though, is going to have to be, it's going to have to be Jericho getting dunked in orange juice. Nice. And then screaming about it for the rest of the show. Not, the, his commentary not the Ortiz afterwards. bit. I mean, Ortiz is really good too. Just the whole thing. Just it's good. Just that was so much fun. AEW it was, it was keeps just putting on shows that I have trouble finding even the nitpickiest faults with. Like they're they're they are really knocking it out of the park lately. Like even the gripes that we had about about this show, like overall, it's still a really strong show. And NXT as well. NXT's like it was it was floundering for a while there. I felt like it was stumbling. Um, but it's it is back. It's got new life. We've entered the track. era, the limitless era, ladies and gentlemen, and it's <laughs> it's starting off. You now you're doing carrying cross. You're doing lead. Yeah. Where's undisputed era? By the way, going to the main roster. They're teasing it online. Oh God, no. <sighs> yep. 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 Well, yep. all I know is yeah, it is it is the uh, it is the limitless era. It is lead time over in NXT, and I don't know if it, it can get more positive than that. So I'll leave it on that, Nick. That was good. That's that's my moment of positivity. Well, there we go. Thank you very much, guys, for hanging out with us today. Special shout-out yes. to everybody in chat and Thank Kyle and Esme for throwing all the monies in the Super Everyone Chats. Everyone who threw money in Abraham, Kyle. Thank you very yeah. much. Yes. Thank you guys so much for all of your Thank contributions you to the show here. It means the world to us. Those are amazing. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, guys, again, make sure you're into the Discord. Uh, we got Slammiversary happening tonight. We've got Extreme Rules tomorrow. Raw, NXT, AEW, SmackDown, all throughout the week. We have live chats for everything, plus all kinds of other good stuff like movies and TV and just general chat. We've got our mental health channel over there. It's good to check yep. in once in a while uh, on one of your fellow fans, fellow listeners, and uh, just say hi. So lots of good stuff happening over in Discord. That's where we're kind of trying to drive everybody right now. You never know when Facebook's just going to decide to delete groups because they're Facebook, uh -huh. you know? Anyway, uh, lots of good stuff over in the Facebook group as well. You can come find us over there. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. We stream live right here on YouTube every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern until about two weeks from now when we are making Woo! the move officially. August, is it August 1st? Maybe first. I'll check my calendar. August yep. 1st, we will be debuting. The BWO live shows on Tuesdays and Saturdays and all of our live streams from there will be moving over to Twitch. So twitch.tv slash busted wide open is and for those of you be. in chat, for those of you who hang out with us in chat, actually, Nick, I gotta bust in because it's a lot of fun on Twitch. Yeah. Lots of fun little things to do. 
Uh, you think we party now in the chat? It's going. It's going to get. It's going to get interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a so. lot of fun. And for those of you that listen to the audio only, uh, you're going to see a little bit of this. Uh, the callouts that we do for super chats. There's going to be a little bit more of that for the live interaction. So uh, here's what I'm. I, I gave Ian the guided tour the other day, and I want to do the exact same thing for all of you. So mm-hmm. I'm going to schedule. Uh, some time either in Discord or in Facebook where I can go live and just take you guys on a sort of guided tour of Twitch. For those that aren't familiar with it, show you all of the things that you can do to interact, all kinds of good stuff. But head over there and make sure you follow us by clicking that purple heart at twitch.tv slash wide open yeah. and last but certainly not least the best way to support the show is via patreon over at oh. patreon.com slash bwo we love all of you thank you patrons thank you, so patrons. much we thank are on the you. drive to 100 patrons so if you're interested in getting uh dozens of bonus episodes the ability to read show notes for every single episode ask listener questions in our patron mailbag help get into skype calls or Sweet produce swag. your own segments all yeah. kinds of stuff head over to patreon.com slash bwo sign up for one of those tiers and uh, support your boys here at Busted Wide Open. But Ian, we got to get out of here because yep. we're heading over. We'll be right back with our patron mailbag, episode number 41 we're on now. We've got lots of good questions. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back with a brand new stream doing our patron mailbag. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God! But somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com